is Charlotte. I love koalas. The other day it was my birthday and I got so many lovely stuff. I love my pants and I love everything. I love every single thing. I also like chocolate. Anyway, stay tuned. Listen to my daddy's podcast. It's outstanding. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual, organisation or entity. Sorry, that's just me searching for my drink because we're here at Adam's house and it's Adam and Roger Break the News. It certainly is and it is the 17th of February 2024. Cheers. Cheers, Roger. And we're in person, luckily, again. I'm yep. managing to keep my Saturdays free. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I like to do on a Saturday. I like to do a park run. I like to record. This. I quite often like to visit my mum. So Saturdays are a busy day, so I'm trying to keep my Saturdays free. But, yep, I'm booking over the, overtime on all the other days. So I am committing myself to a lot of overtime. So That's all good, and it's keeping you busy. And I've been off work this week, so I'm a lot more chipper than usual. But... I've been very busy spending time with the family. I've done three big family trips this week, especially because it was my daughter's ninth birthday. Have you ever been to Brimham Rocks, Adam? No, I haven't been to there. How was it? Because you, you were talking about you were going to put in the sat nav for it good, but easy to get to. Easy enough, yeah, just up by Harrogate. And it was really nice. The girls had a great time running around, playing hide and seek, climbing up the rocks, giving me a heart attack, but no one fell or had any injuries, so it was good. And then... A couple of days later, after my daughter's birthday, I went to a riding school near Hollingworth Lake in in Rochdale, actually. It was only £35, and my daughter got to do two pony rides, grooming the ponies, stable management, i.e. poo shoveling, but she enjoyed every minute of it, and it was only 35 quid. Yeah. Which I thought was really reasonable. She that's, had a great time. That's good. Um, at least it wasn't a too expensive day out. More expensive for me this weekend was yesterday where we went to the indoor fun fair at Harrogate Event Centre. Uh-huh. And that was that was pretty good fun, actually. It was a nice indoor space, so the kids, we could give them a bit more freedom than we usually do. We didn't have to worry about losing them or running off. Okay. And it felt really nice. So I'm glad to just... Spend some adult time, actually, now and, and talk about the news with you. Which will be great. And I've been working again. I'm working a lot next week as well, even more, actually. So, obviously, my pack run time's not going to be quite as good. But I actually did better than the last two, well, even three times, because I did Myrtle uh, another week. And I got 26 today, so just 15 seconds slower than my PB at Harton. And to say I slept very well, and to say I had the most proper meals, I would say I was actually quite impressed with that time, to be honest, today. Do you think maybe you're starting to reach that work-life balance now? Not yet. <laughs> Not on the work-life balance yet, because like I said, I've booked a lot more shifts, but I will get there eventually, and I think it's going to take time before I get to the career that I want to properly do, but... Uh, other than that, um, yeah, I'm not learning to drive at the moment because I'm literally too busy and taxi fares do cost a lot on the awkward shifts. Good news is we did have um, a couple of extra listeners last week, so thank you if you are one of those people who downloaded us and had a listen. We would love to hear your feedback, and you can give that to us by emailing breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Adam and I would love to hear from you, whoever you are, and whatever it is you have to say. 
Yep, definitely. And I could have had loads of news this week. Um, yeah, it's, talked been, about it's been a busy session. week. I could have talked about the unemployment figures, but I'm not actually covering any economic news because we've got election news to cover, which I am probably more interested in than anything. So we're actually starting with the election news. I'm interested in politics. I like to see which way the country's going, depending on whether Conservatives or Labour do well. I think it makes a massive difference in terms of policies and the future of the country. I think there's a massive difference between the two main parties. Loads of people might disagree that there's a massive difference between the two main parties. I, I personally think there is. And um, that's why I'm interested in it so much. And for the benefit of new listeners, you are a member of the Conservative Party. <laughs> I am. And Cat- I am. Um, so I was very disappointed with the news this week. I think people voted the wrong way, but that's just my opinion. Are you still planning to stand for re-election again? This year? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, I haven't officially on the ballot paper yet, because obviously nominations haven't started yet. I've been approved by the Conservative Party and I will be standing in Queensbury this year. I haven't announced it on Facebook as the local candidate in the May elections on the 2nd of May. I wish you the very best of luck. I think you're going to need it, but I think you'd be an excellent <laughs> candidate. I think you might be right there, Roger. So Labour scores big in by-elections, extending their trend of success while Conservatives face gloom. Despite massive wins... Labour remains cautious, aiming to avoid complacency. Reform UK's performance adds spice to Tory woes, signalling potential upheaval. While some Tories panic, others remain steadfast in support of Richie Sunak. With the economy uncertain, these by-elections may not drastically alter the political landscape, but they solidify existing trends. Labour's resurgence is undeniable, positioning them closer to government than they've been in years. Now, what did you actually make about these? I don't know how closely you looked into these elections, but there were an election in Wellingborough and there were also an election in Kingswood. Let's go through the um, results, shall we? Because um, I think it's important for a bit of context. 2024 Wellingborough by-election. Now, there were lots of minor parties here. I don't think it's that important for us to read any further than the Green Party, really. Uh, But this was the order. So Labour got 13,844 votes. The Conservatives got 7,000 408 votes. Reform UK came third here and got 3,919 votes. So that's 13% of the vote share in this election. Liberal Democrats, they got 1,422 votes. An independent candidate got 1,115 votes. And the Green Party got 1,020 votes. And then there were some other independents and minor parties down here which I'm not going to read into detail because they're not going to have any effect anyway, are they? No, in Wellingborough, it still seems to be very much a two-horse race, though, to me, looking at that. Yes, it is, uh, between Labour and the Conservatives. uh, But this is a massive swing. Um, It's interesting to see Reform beat the Lib Dems by so much. That's interesting. They're they're well ahead in Wellingborough, Reform UK. But what is interesting... Look at the amount of votes. So Labour's votes were 13,844 
in the 2024 election, Labour's votes were also 13,737, so they've only actually increased very slightly of Labour's votes. It's more the fact that the Conservatives have dipped from 32,277 to uh, 7,408 votes. Does this show you that maybe it's not necessarily the votes going to Labour, but it's the Conservatives choosing not to turn out because the turnout was only 38%? Yeah, absolutely. The Conservative voters have stayed home, haven't they? Then if there's a general election, will a lot of those Conservatives that have stayed home, will they come back out? I doubt it. My theory is I don't think people particularly love Labour, but they do hate the Conservative Party. Yeah. And they're just not going to go out and vote for them. No. um... They've not served us. Why should we serve them? But also in Kingswood, um, there were also a by-election. Now, the Conservative vote didn't fall quite as much here, but it still fell a lot. This were a less safe seat for the Conservatives. It were a much closer battle here because Labour got 11,176 votes. Conservatives got 8,675 votes. Reform UK got 2,578. The Green Party got 1,459. So they came above the Liberal Democrats and Green again. Mm-hmm. Um, Liberal Democrats got 861 and UKIP got 129 votes. So Labour um, in 2019 actually got 16,492. In 2024, they got 11,176. So Labour's votes actually fell as well. An interesting trend in both by-elections is Reform UK coming in third. Yes. So we might be seeing that they are a party to be taken seriously come election time. Possibly. Here it looks like maybe some of Labour's votes stayed at home as well. Definitely, people are sick of those main two parties. Especially the Conservatives, of course, but mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the thing. Um, a lot of people probably don't know who Reform UK is at the moment because still a lot of the mainstream media is not covering them as much, although the BBC did cover them a bit this time afterwards. So once they start getting more coverage by the mainstream media, they might rise a bit further, perhaps. And I will certainly be making a lot of my voting decisions based on the debates and the news near at the time. I still haven't fully made up my mind yet. Well, I'm guessing one thing's probably going to be ruled out. I'm guessing you wouldn't be voting Tory, would you? Not unless Adam Patterson was standing <laughs> in my ward. Is that the only party that you've ruled out so far, then? No, I probably wouldn't vote for the Green Party because although I agree with what they're doing for the environment and love of the natural world and all of that, I don't agree with a lot of their cultural beliefs and um, philosophies. The Liberal Democrats, I struggle to trust because I was a student under the coalition Mm. government. I was one of the people who they shafted years and years ago. But I am starting to come round to the idea of forgiving them one day. Yeah. And then what do you think and what are your views on Labour? You see, I remember just how sleazy and corrupt Labour were towards the end of their last government, you know, with the MPs' expenses scandal and all of that. So I know they're just as bad as the Conservatives, really, but they're the only alternative we've got, realistically. 
<laughs> that, 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 that's how sad it is. People voted against the one they dislike the least, aren't they? Yeah, and you also have to vote tactically as well, I think. So that that could be a reason for you to vote Labour, just to keep the Conservatives out, then, maybe. Yeah, and I know you try your best to be optimistic about the Conservative Party's chances, and you search for good news on them, but at the moment I'm not seeing any serious evidence that doesn't say anything other than they are going to get a spanking. Yeah, and if they're losing every by-election... Um, I don't know how you can expect them to win elections. I'm always amazed to get as many votes as they do, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> do you know who these people are that are voting for them, then? Uh, no, I don't know anyone who is considering voting Conservative, heard, apart from yourself. Have you, yeah, have you heard <laughs> uh, many people talk about reform? No, I haven't, actually. Not seriously. Uh, I've heard people kind of mention that they'd consider voting for them, but they don't really know what they're about. They Have you just, tried to tell them what they're about then? No, because I don't know enough about it. I mean, people argue, oh, they're just a bunch of racists who don't want immigration. They might be or they might not be. So I do definitely think they're a party worth getting to know, and I'm sure we will as election season ramps up. I say Reform UK is like more of a pressure group than anything. They're, they're a, a, a political party for um, who are more to the right of the Conservatives, a bit like how the Green Party, more to the left of the Labour Party, and this is how I see it. And what they're trying to do is pressure the government to go further and reducing stuff like immigration, reducing the commitment to net zero, etc., and um, putting in, implementing cons- more Conservative policies, whereas obviously the Conservatives are trying to run the country and obviously please their people at the same time. Uh, but I see reformers just trying to introduce more conservative-type policies, but obviously at the same time as doing that, they're also giving the hands to Labour, so I don't agree in that sense as to what they're doing. You see, education and social affairs are big issues for me, and I don't know any of Reform UK's philosophies on those. Labour are probably the ones that try to um, see themselves as like the party for care, but we've seen in Bradford when they have tried to do that, they're not very good at it, are they? No, certainly not at a local council level. So I don't actually trust the Labour Party. I have no trust in it at all, and that's the reason why I'm a solid Conservative voter, because I, I dislike Labour so much. I'm the opposite way around. You dislike the Conservatives so much, but I really, really dislike Labour. I think Labour are certainly more hypocritical and probably more dishonest than the Conservatives, whereas the Conservatives are just outright evil. But there has been a handful of MPs, though, that have been very corrupt in the Conservative Party, and that's the reason why we've had these by-elections, so... Labour do probably tell a lot of uh, lies. They don't always tell the truth. They go into all these work issues. They can't even describe what a woman is. I do think that Labour have a a lot of problems. I think Kia's going to hopefully have a decent answer for that by the time the debates do arrive. Otherwise, he's going to embarrass himself. But I think by the time we do get to election time, maybe even war could be a big issue or recession if we get even deeper Mm. into recession. So we might have bigger things to worry about than what a woman is. Yeah, and I was watching GB News earlier today, and there has been a lot of pro-Palestine 
matches still still taking place every Saturday, barely getting any coverage across London, still matching at it, still a bit very big on the agenda. Fair play, but it's not going to change anything. That is true, and they're actively calling for a ceasefire. There's also the uh, Rochdale by-election coming up soon, and that's on the 29th of February, so just under two weeks' time now for the election, which I'm sure you'll be very looking forward to it. Although I'm not sure if you will, actually, with it being your hometown, because of who the two... I might get into trouble if I call them idiots, but well, I believe they are get elected. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to discussing it with you in two weeks' time, because the by-election itself will be on the 29th. So by Saturday the 2nd, if we record on that Saturday, we should know who's won, which I... I'm going to spoil now, I think will be George Galloway. And so do I. But people may still vote Labour because of the Red Rose, although he ain't got Labour's support now, but he'll still, because it's too late, he'll still be labelled as Labour on the ballot paper, even though Labour won't be actively campaigning them. And I think with them not actively campaigning for them, I think that's also going to cost them a lot of votes too. And I think George Galloway's also got his campaign team well set up. So... Um, I do think that he'll um, he'll win it. I will say there are a lot of older people in Rochdale out of the city centre who just vote Labour blindly because that's what their daddy did, that's what their mummy did, you know, and they just will always blindly vote Labour. Rochdale is an old mill town and very founded on Labour values. You know, it's the birthplace of the co-op. It's the birthplace of a lot of the Labour movement. Yeah, they, these northern mill towns is where Labour have previously had the biggest heartlands, and that's why the Conservatives struggle to gain grounds in these mill towns. But obviously things change, people move out, people move in, people do traditionally vote in the same way as their parents and stuff. And the younger, more ethnically diverse members of Rochdale's population do live in and around the town centre. And I think if they do turn out to vote, they'll vote Galloway. I agree. So let's get on to this little bit of this shortened article. So Secure Starmer asserted he took decisive action regarding comments made by Azar Ali, the Labour candidate for the Rochdale by-election concerning Israel and Jewish people, initially criticised for supporting Ali. Labour withdrew its backing after additional remarks surfaced. Starmer emphasised the difficulty of withdrawing support during a by-election, but stressed the party's transformation under his leadership. Despite being listed on the ballot, Ali has been suspended pending investigation. Starmer's response came after criticism of Labour's handling of the situation with some suggesting a factional bias in disciplinary actions. Labour's decision adds uncertainty to the by-elections outcome where Ali faces competition from other candidates. Do you think Keir Stam did the right thing here? He did the only thing that he could, to be honest, and probably did it too late. This is a tough one for me because I'm a big believer in freedom of expression. But obviously, like I say, yeah, it was supporting hatred. But, I mean, it works both ways, doesn't it? So even though I disagree with what Azar Ali was saying, 
It's a tough one because I know it's I know it's very big on the agenda. I do actually think freedom of expression is very important, but like I say, yeah, he wasn't standing up for Labour's values, so he got he gets suspended from the party for obviously supporting hatred. And people are allowed to change their minds, aren't they? I think Keir Starmer listened to advice on this one and realised he needed to be a bit harsher on this guy or the party would be seen as anti-Semitic. That is true, yeah. It's going to be either this candidate that gets elected or more likely George Galloway and both of these two candidates are supporting hatred. That, that doesn't actually sound like Rochdale's a very good place, does it? No, and I can't lie. Um, I don't think too highly of my former hometown and I don't hear good things from the people who live in it. It sounds like Rochdale's just a miniature Bradford, if I'm perfectly honest. So what do you think the outer areas of this seat will choose to vote? If these two candidates are behaving like this, will they go and still vote Labour? Will they try and vote maybe Reform or will they vote Conservative or a bit a mixture of all three? They'll stay home especially if these other by-elections are anything to go by. Yeah, that's true. They probably will stay at home. And when you've got candidates like that, it's not exactly going to please the British community when they see the stuff that are going through the doors, are they? The betting odds are putting are very much in his favour, aren't they? In George Galloway's favour, yes, they are. But this, this election is going to be very, very interesting. It'll show exactly what's happening with the Muslim votes. Now, this is going to show what's going to also happen in Bradford if independents stand against the Labour Party. Now, will those independents manage to get in if the Workers' Party decide to stand in Bradford? I think they probably will. So I think it's going to be very crucial just to see whether Labour's vote does actually fall because of this. And I think it will. I think a lot of it will fall to George Galloway. So I'll be very interested to hear the see the result of this election. It will be very interesting to see what the Muslim voter intention is. I suspect that Islam as a religion will probably be just as spread out as Christianity is in terms of voting intention. Well, it's not been like that in recent years. It's always been very heavily towards Labour. I was going to say, I do doubt that many of them would vote for the Conservatives, though. And I believe that's because of some of the things that Conservative MPs and leaders have said. Um, I think that's where they've lost a lot of their votes. But now, because of where Labour and Keir Starmer stand on these issues, I also think Labour have lost a lot of um, the Muslim voters as well. So I think a lot of them, um, it does appear like they're probably moving towards independent candidates. And even Green Party, they've been actively campaigning for a ceasefire and some of the voter intention polls have actually shown them moving heavily towards the Green Party. So maybe Bradford might end up going towards green. And sort of green have been gaining in Bradford too, unfortunately. I would think it's more likely that independent candidates would do better. I know that in Manningham, where I work, one of the independent candidates is actually an absolutely outstanding chap who would be an amazing MP, probably just like yourself, Adam. Um, But because he is independent, it probably doesn't stand much of a chance. Can I do this year with the dissatisfied Labour voters there, though? Best of luck to him. Um, And I also think Heaton's a very interesting seat to watch this year because it's previously been Labour, and it has been, but the Greens have been gaining ground in 
heating over the previous years and it's been neck and neck between Labour and Greens with uh, Labour winning so I think if Labour lose a lot of that vote I think the Greens might gain quite a lot of them votes there so I think Heaton will also turn green in Bradford this year. That would surprise me actually I don't think people are quite ready to save the planet just yet. They won't. People are more bothered about the cultural issues than anything though aren't they? I think what people are most bothered about right now it is go back to the basic needs people want to have some measure of financial stability and people want to feel as if we're not going to enter a war next week people also want a functioning health service as well so i really don't take the greens seriously mm-hmm. well we've got other issues to to fight so Perhaps- would you be furious if bradford ended up turning green i would be very very surprised i think greens do better in small individual by-elections to make a statement about climate change and the planet and to keep it on the agenda. But the Greens aren't capable of being taken seriously on a larger national level. No, that's um, that's true. But, yeah, like I said, they, they do do well over in Heaton for some reason. So it's, it's one to certainly watch, see what actually happens there. Um, I do think that independence uh, candidates and possibly some green candidates will be able to boot Labour out um, of some seats this year. I can't wait until election time to f- find out about yeah. all this. Yeah, well, Rochdale's going to give us a hint just to, to see how, how much uh, this Israel and Gaza conflict does actually play in voter intentions. And there's other conflicts going on as well, like yeah. the um, Russia-Ukraine conflict. Which isn't actually considered as much as important, is it? But it's certainly been high on the news agenda this week, yeah. and it's definitely been main news for the last couple of days. As usual, there's been people on the internet proclaiming, oh, we're on the verge of World War Three, which I think is a little bit um, extreme, but it certainly is bad what's going on in Russia. Before I talk about this article specifically, other articles about the conflict have claimed that Ukraine have um, lost some territory this week. So it's not looking good over there. And in Russia, Alexei Navalny has died in an Arctic jail under what sounds like, according to the BBC, very suspicious circumstances. I think the official story is still that he was out for a walk and just dropped dead. But his mum's been unable to retrieve his body following his death in that Arctic jail. As officials say, it will only be released after a post-mortem examination. Navalny's team believes he was murdered on Putin's orders. Western governments blame Russian authorities for his death, prompting calls for clarification. Russian authorities claim he died of sudden death syndrome. (laughs) Navalny's allies accuse officials of withholding his body to hide evidence. Over 300 Russians have since been arrested for tributes, sparking protests and international condemnation. G7 ministers observed a minute silence in Navalny's honour. The UK promises action. Will Ukrainian President Zelensky calls Putin a thug? Navalny had criticised Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now I'm wondering about this one, Adam, because it certainly sounds very dodgy and nefarious, but at the same time... I'd actually never heard of this guy until two days ago. What do you think? Well, like I say, I'd never heard of him either, but um, like, as, 
Um, it does appear that it's true news, though, doesn't it? So is it Putin being a scumbag, or is it media manipulation, or maybe a bit of both? Well, I think it is Putin, isn't it, that's doing this. And I'm sure this isn't the first guy that Putin has offed. I mean, we had that yeah. um, military guy who nearly staged a coup. He got disappeared in a mysterious plane crash, didn't he, a few months ago? Yeah, although... I do think the media have been very biased again uh, over this conflict. Ukraine does have a lot of corruption as well, though, doesn't it? But like I said, there were no need to attack and invade it. But it certainly does seem to be very, very dangerous to be an enemy of Putin in Russia. Yes, and I can see why people might have gone concerns, but I don't. I don't think we'll enter World War Three because of this. I'd actually be more concerned about the Israel and Gaza conflict than this, wouldn't you? But I think this is going to be another excuse that um, leaders are going to use to throw even more money at Ukraine, which is probably just an absolute waste of resource that's just going to protract this war out even longer. Yeah, and like I say, I don't think it's the most serious war that's going on. But is it safe to just leave Russia and Ukraine to it? if we do, Russia will probably win eventually. Yeah, but we can't also let our military dwindle as well, can we? We've also got to make sure our military stays strong in case we end up getting attacked eventually. Our military isn't strong. Not as a UK. No, but we do need to focus on uh, building our military, I think. We need to focus on building ourselves up as a country. Other countries are quickly and vastly overtaking us in almost every metric. Uh, I remember seeing an article earlier today about Germany's median wage being something like 20% more than ours. And we're seriously getting behind in the UK. We need to sort out our economy and other things. So a war would be disastrous for us because we just get further and further behind. It's hard to sort things out in the UK because our parliament's too old-fashioned to adapt things quickly in this fast-moving world. But they can move fast enough when there's a virus not much worse than flu hanging about and that it's time true, yeah. and it's time to, and they feel like masking everyone up and putting everyone in their homes and rushing out a vaccine they can they moved in a matter of days though, oh then. yeah they can do that fast enough so i really struggle to accept excuses for slow action from the government ever since those covid days that that could be why they've lost a lot of voters as well because people have seen how they did things really fast yeah. then and now they're doing things yeah. really slow uh, and, and now rishi's just like oh i can't stop the boats there's too much legislation it's too hard yeah. rubbish when boris became in power and he was actually getting things done at the start and locking things down when people saw that he could do things like that and do things really quick he actually gained a lot of support for a short period of time, and I think that's because he actually showed that he were a doer rather than a person that just does nothing. So I think that's why he might have gained a lot of support. So maybe if Richie actually did things, maybe he'd gain a lot more support. Absolutely. acted a bit more decisively and actually took a few risks. I think he really needed to do that. Yeah, because then he'd show that he's a leader like Boris did in the pandemic. If you do take a big risk and get it wrong, he would have known pretty quick because that's what Liz Trust did. Yeah, well, that, that's true. It didn't work for Liz Trust when she tried to do things quick. It worked the opposite way, it didn't hurt. And in a way, that's a shame, but I do think the decisions Liz Trust made were very, very bad. Uh, but, but at least you were getting things done. Yeah, at least at least she had a bit of gumption about her, which Rishi certainly does not have. So do you think you prefer Liz Trust now over Richard? No, because she would have just dug the hole deeper and quicker. 
but you know, at, I, at I, least the girl could dig. <laughs> I, I, I actually agreed with most of Liz Truss's policies, so I actually thought she was all right, to be honest. Well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of troubles and discontent we've got, I think our media are taking steps to keep us calm. And, and prevent things because I, I'm noticing and trying to follow as closely as I can the French farmers protest, which a few people have heard about, but is actually really big news, especially in France. I had to go to um, a website called Le Canichon to find this. Although I have heard about it a bit on GB News, they've been covering it. Good, because it is huge. There's been massive protests because farmers in southwest France have been protesting outside banks and dumping manure outside buildings and government buildings to demand concessions from the government. These have happened in Paris as well, uh, but southwest France more this week. And there are images out there of tractors lining the streets of Paris, blocking main roads blocking large stores and government buildings. And these protests, led by the Coordination Rural Union, seek a freeze on bank fees and annuities. They're frustrated with the slow response to their financial concerns, despite negotiations with the government. While some unions, like FNSER and Jean Agriculture, are unlikely to join due to political differences, all the farmers' unions are growing impatient with the pace of reforms. The French Minister for Agriculture acknowledges the farmers' frustration and promises action, but tensions persist as negotiations continue. So French farmers are worried because they're feeling unable to sustainably continue supplying the country with food. And I think that's a worthwhile cause to worry about because food's important. And this is how they're protesting. And I think this is being suppressed here because our leaders are terrified that we are going to copy this example. What do you think? The UK media is quite free, so it can openly talk about this if it wants to. Um, I think we've been French news and we've been just agriculture. I think it doesn't take much people's interests because it's not taking much interest uh, to most people. It's not making the news because... If people are not interested in it, it's not going to sell the papers, etc. People are not going to click on the articles. So I think that's the reason why it's not getting covered much. But I wish people were a bit more interested because that would send the message to our leaders that we're not going to take it anymore. We're not just going to be good little boys and girls anymore. And I do think stronger but safer and legal protests need to happen. We need to start making it clear to these guys that we have had enough. Our chance is going to come in the local elections and then the general election this year. But if we don't see improvements, this is the kind of example we need to look at. This is the research we need to be doing. But do you think British farmers will actually go out there and protest in this country? When it reaches the point that they have no choice, I think they will, yes. When they start seeing their business on the verge of closing down. When we start seeing more shortages in supermarkets and food prices rocket, even though energy prices might go down, I think that's when it's going to become more of a concern. And you've got to remember the minimum wage has been increased a lot in this country and I'm not sure how much it's been increased in France. 
when you add that cost on, it means supermarkets, all the essential businesses have all got to pay the staff a lot more, so the profit margins do become tighter, don't they? But they still make those record profits. The last time people wanted to take back control, the way that they did that was by voting to leave the European Union. Without other options on the table, if voting doesn't work, I think this is the kind of behaviour that we're going to see a lot more of in the UK. Right now, over Israel-Gaza, we're seeing protests of tens of thousands of people. And I think, especially if those protests do have any effect, we're going to start seeing more of that um, for other causes, and probably rightly so. Yeah, um, I'll be very interested to see what this uh, next year is going to bring, and I look forward to covering this with you. Um, some other news, which I try to cover monthly, um, is the patients registered at GP practices in England. So there were 72,951 more patients registered with a GP practice in England as of the 1st of February 2024 compared with the 1st of January 2024. This is higher than the 68,748 figure recorded during the same month last year. This brings the total number of patients registered in England to 63,173,981. Oh, Jesus. So it's much higher than the same month last year that got registered. This seems to be increasing year on year. It's um, I don't know whether it's immigration or whether it's the GPs messing up here, but um, it does appear that... Um, Net migration, although they're trying to get it to come down, it's going in the opposite direction. Absolutely, and I think it's probably both of the things you suggested there, Adam, but probably mostly down to migration. Are you noticing that there's a lot of migration coming to Bradford at the moment with sub-Saharan Africans, isn't there? And I hope a lot of these migrants are um, well-qualified GPs and professionals who can contribute to our country. I know that a lot of the sub-Saharan migrants come as students with their families, so there is a lot of promise there. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed that just in the university area, you can tell, I'm sure that's happened in the last few years uh, increasingly, hasn't it? I think it definitely is a trend in Bradford for whatever reason. And I've noticed, I remember when I went to Huddersfield as well it seemed like they had a lot of sub-Saharan Africans as well and like I said they've got a big university in Huddersfield as well so I think a lot of universities are making a lot of money from migrants and if they come and study and contribute then great no problem with it really myself Mm. it is the one the migrants who come and don't contribute and lead to crime and game the system that's the kind of scumbag we need rid of yeah. But it's hard to stand there at the border and judge who's who who's allowed and who isn't. And you've got to remember when people are coming legally, it's even much harder. I know that they have checks and stuff on planes, but there's plenty of people that uh, gain right to just fly into the country. So they're not all coming by boat. People are flying in as well. No, and I don't blame them on an individual level at all. No, but yeah, it's only the boat stuff that gets made... News and the reason that gets made news is because it's a lot more visual when it were the lorries, although it got the news, 
it were a lot less visual, so they won't have mentioned it quite as much. But yeah, with the boats, they're always mentioning about stopping the boats because people literally see them coming over. And I think it's a lot more dangerous by boat as well. We've certainly heard mm. every t- well every time there's a problem with a boat now we hear about it, and that's the excuse that the politician used to try and stop the boats. They say that they're co- trying to combat the illegal gangs. Yeah, you're right, Adam, they, they do it by lorry as well. And lorries are just as dangerous, being on the back of a lorry and hanging to yourself. That's led to lots of deaths there as well, so being on the back of a lorry is also dangerous. Well, look, there was that tragic case um, a couple of years ago, I think it was just after we started doing this podcast, where a lorry full of migrants locked in, women and children, where it was abandoned and all the people in the back of this lorry were left to freeze and starve to yeah, death. Yeah, I think wasn't that in the US? I'm pretty sure that was the UK, oh, actually. It? I'm pretty sure. It might have been. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm not, I know. remember there won't be one in the US, but yeah, there might be one in the UK as well. So being inside a lorry, if you've got no access to get out, that can also be very dangerous too if you can't get yourself out. Although you can probably break yourself out if there are, if there's a massive group. So I'm surprised they didn't manage to do that. It must be a very well-made lorry. Well, I feel very privileged to not have to be in that position. And and that's why I do want us to be a welcoming country for people who want to come and contribute and be part of it and follow our laws. Wonderful. Come one, come all, if that is the case. But sadly, I know not everyone is like that. Yeah, and also, if we had, like, 8 billion people suddenly come in, where would they all live? That wouldn't be feasible, would it? Eight billion is a is a bit of a large figure there, Adam. <laughs> but if we did have a huge migration influx, I think we'd just we'd see a lot more tent cities and basic little refugee camps all around the country. Well, uh, yeah, they'd all be across the countryside if that happened, but it wouldn't happen. But we'd we'd see a, we'd know. see sprawl and ghettos and slums. Look at places like um, New Delhi and Saudi Arabia, the slums of India. That's what we'd get. Yeah, so it won't be very good if that happened, but um, it does seem to be a concerning trend that's obviously if we're letting in tens of thousands each month. But eventually the welfare state is going to dwindle and fall. Yep, that is true. And it would probably drag quite a lot of the lower middle class down into the slums with everyone else. We just haven't got the infrastructure to create all the jobs, all the housing, all the food. And that's why there's all shortages of everything. It all takes time. I think infrastructure can't be built in a day, can it? No, but I think, again, it's because we are not as great as a lot of our leaders seem to think we are. They We need to be on a recovery footing and a recovering economy footing for the next decade so that we can start catching up to other countries uh, and then have the luxury of looser migration laws. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to see what happens. I know we've got a general election this year, and who knows how what Labour will do with uh, legal migration. Well, on a final, less worrisome topic, but one that I know you and I follow with a keen interest, Adam, yeah. I'd like to finish with an article about AI, if that's okay. We've seen an advancement in so-called AI technology this week because OpenAI who Adam and I regularly use to shorten our articles for this podcast, has introduced Sora, an AI system capable of generating photorealistic videos from text descriptions. 
While this advancement in AI technology is exciting, it also raises concerns about the potential for deep fake videos to exacerbate misinformation and disinformation, particularly during crucial election periods worldwide. Sora can currently produce up to 60 second videos using text instructions alone or combined with an image, showcasing various scenarios from everyday life to more fantastical scenes. Despite displaying some glitches, Sora's videos are significantly more realistic than previous attempts, combining diffusion models and transformer architecture to improve realism. However, these deepfake videos still contain noticeable errors, suggesting detectability for now. OpenAI is conducting rigorous testing to address potential misuse before making Sora publicly available. Concerns persist about the ability of such AI-generated content to deceive the public, highlighting the importance of collaboration between AI companies, social media platforms and governments to mitigate the spread of misinformation. AI videos, Adam, what do you think? They sound great. I didn't hear this article, but I'm really, really interested in this software now, and I'll tell you why, because I'm very, very slow at reading things. Now, if I can convert that into a video so that I can watch stuff and see it, I know it still contains noticeable errors, it'd be much easier than reading it, although I'm saying that I can't always follow films very well, but it'd be a much shorter version of it. I was going to say, your average CGI film still contains quite a lot of errors. I agree with you, Adam. I think it is great technology. It is also quite scary. And I think it definitely does need to be managed and controlled well. I think a lot of the AI companies are actually asking government for guidance so that they know how to move forward with this. The only really interesting AI videos I've seen so far have been adverts online. I saw one on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, which was Elon Musk, who was trying to sell me some sort of cryptocurrency. It was quite convincing. It was Elon Musk sat in the This Morning (laughs) studio talking to um, Philip Schofield, that's how I knew it were fake, um, about this new cryptocurrency he's discovered that's going to make everyone rich. And I saw another one, which was Richard Hammond, who's one of the top gear presenters, and he was talking about what a great car I think one of the Teslas was, and everyone should buy it, and that was fake. But the potential in terms of like Hollywood and films, and especially combined with VR... We could have some incredible entertainment experiences, couldn't we, thanks Yeah, to and it's all on the OpenAI website as well, which is interesting. So it's um, it seems to be OpenAI that's generating all this uh, software. So they're doing some interesting stuff and they're developing it pretty quickly, aren't they? What I really want to see is um, AI podcast editing software. That would be very nice. So come on, OpenAI, get on with that. What I would want is a piece of AI software that could detect an erm and cut that out, or a piece of AI software that could separate when two speakers talk over each other. Oh, that would be bliss. But for now, we just have to edit a podcast ourselves. I think in terms of legislation, AI and legislation needs to be very clear, and I think maybe it should be like, you know how clear it is that counterfeiting money is illegal? Yeah. I think it should be made illegal to counterfeit people. Yeah, even if it's just for your own purposes and not to publish anywhere else. It's like you're allowed to make toy money, aren't you? As long as it's very clear this is toy money. And I think AI people should be just like that. But if it's someone 
pretending to be the real Elon Musk, the real <laughs> Richard Hammond, the real Roger Skelton, then that should be very, very clear that this is AI. And I think that's where the line needs to be. Decades and decades before AI takes over the world, we will have created more social problems and poverty through AI and AI software. I don't think AI would need to. We'd probably destroy ourselves through some other means long before AI became sentient. Because I'm always very interested in new technology, especially AI. And does this mean that a lot of film producers might eventually... Uh, lose the job if they can just get AI to create the film. What about all these extras that are in films, etc.? Hollywood is panicking. That's why they had that big strike last year, but no one missed them at all. If someone can write a starter, then just put it into the AI. That generates the whole massive video. There you have it. People can make films, a YouTube video in a day, whatever, very fast. Or people could just generate their own content, what they want to see. Wouldn't it be amazing I could, if I could just strap on a headset and say, play me an AI-generated sequel to Pulp Fiction, mm. and, and away it goes, and there's John Travolta <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson doing gangster things all over again, you know. It could be absolutely incredible. The video games it could produce, immersive experiences – experiences that could end up so addictive it'd be better than life people would prefer to be strapped into a video game than living their real lives mm. this it's exciting but the terrifying only re- the only reason why ai is not costing jobs at the moment is because um it still generates lots of mistakes isn't it i think the labor that ai saves us will lead to other jobs in fields like tourism and entertainment and creativity and art, and more looking at what being a real, genuine human actually is. Jobs will come. Yep, and there'll probably be much better jobs as well. I think something like two-thirds of children growing up in school right now should be prepared for a job that um, hasn't been invented yet. I read another figure that where apparently 40% of people who are in school now should expect to be working some sort of freelance role after they leave school, so effectively being self-employed or contracting their specific skills out to companies and people. So it's going to be a very interesting future we live in. And this is going to be future that we will see in our lifetime, Adam. That's the most exciting thing. This isn't time machines and robot cars and jetpacks, which we were always promised when we... Well, I was always promised when I was a kid and we never got. This is stuff that is developing. Yeah, because like I was amazed just how good chat gpt is and now looking at these videos this sort of seems to be great obviously it might not be as useful as chat gpt but like i say it's still another good piece of software and one day people might be able to just type into open ai generate 15 minutes of adam and roger talking about what happened in the news this week (laughs) and something like this podcast might get churned out (laughs) Yeah, so maybe they'll use the, the all of their archives of episodes as um, as inspiration. Yep. So we've got a very very interesting, possibly a scary future to go. But like I say, um, on OpenAI, it's very very cautious the company anyway because and I think they want to show that they're being cautious because they've got all stuff about safety etc on it, haven't they? So they do talk about safety concerns of AI as well. And another. Thing to look at in 
election debates and figuring out who leads our country is where they stand on technology like this because it is going to be very important. And I think it's going to be very, very useful, but I think um, the Conservatives will be more open to it. I think Labour will be more cautious on it. That's my prediction. That's interesting because that kind of goes against... The whole point of conservatives, isn't it, to conserve? I don't yeah, know. but conservatives value investment, they value innovation, they value creation of jobs. Labour are always more about making sure people are well protected. They're more about the nanny state putting in regulations so they'll try to prevent things like this. If the technology like this is going to be prevented then governments and leaders need to move on that very, very quickly because basically the genie's out of the bottle. This technology is getting out there. It will go public sooner or later. If it is charged for at first, it will eventually become free. Look at communication. When I was first born, it would cost you a fortune to speak to someone in Australia. Now you can do it for free, no problem. You can video call Australia for completely free. That is absolutely true. And it's like emails, they're completely free. Yep, you can connect with anyone online free, so... I remember when a text message cost 10p a time, and now you can use instant messaging to, again, send video, pictures, pretty much anything to anyone. Yep, and without having to worry about your messages being used up and stuff, so... Everyone just contacts everyone on these uh, WhatsApp or Messenger groups or whatever, don't they? Then we do put less value on our communication then, I suppose. And maybe yeah. that, and maybe that's why human discourse has become more argumentative and less thought out and more extreme over the years because yeah. people just don't think before they speak anymore. Yeah, that's true. And I, I find that the only reason I really have a phone contract um, is because if you do pay as you go, data would be more expensive. So I mostly use it's the data that I need more than anything. I'm hoping to get my mum on her first ever phone contract for Mother's Day. Mm. I'm hoping I can persuade her to finally go off pay as you go. Mm, uh, yeah, because pay as you go is very expensive, especially as she's old fashioned. She'll be spending an awful lot on the text communications and the phone communications and she spends a lot of her time worrying about using up all of her credits you know whenever i'm on the phone call to her whenever she calls me it's like oh call me back i don't want to use my credits and it's just like for four pound a month she could be on a tariff of unlimited calls and unlimited text so she'd never have to worry about that again so that's that's my plan for her for the next month yeah get her on a contract or something yeah and I'll put her on the same thing I've got my grandma on, then I'll probably get it for a lot cheaper as well. Okay. Combine the deals. But anyway, I think we've broken the news and started talking about phone contracts, so time for us to go for another week, Adam. What I, say you? Yeah, I think so. So if you'd like to share this with your family and friends, please feel free to do so. It's been an interesting discussion tonight. I'm sure we'll have more interesting news next week. And the week after, it'll be a lot more interesting after that Rochdale by-election. Share, share it with your family and friends. And also send us an email at britannewspod at gmail.com. I knew I'd missed something there. Um, but for now, yeah, I think it's about time we end. I foresee all sorts of unforeseen problems this week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.